This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Verderam and Mark Carmen. And good morning. Welcome in. That's right, Gonzo the Beast. LFG. I believe that stands for Let's Freaking Go. We're gonna make it uh gonna make it family friendly here to start the show. Verderam, yeah. yeah. the playoffs are here, buddy. And uh, you've got to buy in the first round with the Pittsburgh Steelers coming calling. Everybody wants to talk about Brandon Staley, and everybody wants to kill Brandon Staley, and we're starting with Brandon Staley. I would just like to start with this in that football game. First of all, the, the fact that the Chargers were even in the position at the end of the game was completely ridiculous, right? I mean, yes. fourth down, game over, under 20 seconds to go, scoring on the final play of the game, being down 15 in the fourth quarter is all insane. So, look, they were, e- even with his going forward on fourth and one at the 19, I, you can put all that in there. The fact that they actually were able – were in position to win, I, I just don't think you can look at this from a Chargers standpoint that, that you deserve to win the football game, even with some curious decisions. By the way, happy playoffs. Good to see you. I'm a little fired up on that, whole, on, on that game to start the, start the show. You as well, Carm. I, I actually, though, kind of feel the other way on this. You, you should have killed the Raiders if you're the Chargers. You took a million penalties. You you fumble on a punt return. Herbert throws a pick. Now none of that that none of that in vacuums on Staley. But they lost games all year against teams they should not have lost to: the Raiders, the Broncos, the Texans, the Vikings. Okay, they lost games that defy all logic. So I don't I don't give them a break on that. Now with Staley particularly, okay, I don't care about the timeout in the in overtime. I think that is the most overblown thing in the world. The Raiders are going to run the ball either way there. What I would blame Staley for is he comes over from the Rams as the D coordinator, where he's supposed to be this great coordinator, and he, and he was for LA last year. Okay, this year they can't stop a nosebleed. And in a play where if they stop the Raiders, it's third and four, okay, just inside the 40-yard line. If the Raiders run for two or three yards there, they're going to let the clock run out. They're not kicking a 60-yard field goal or whatever it would have been, the deep 50s. Instead, Jacobs rips off a nice run, and now I think the Raiders look at it and go, all right, well, if we don't kick, we tie. We're going to play Kansas City, who's beaten us by an aggregate of 89-21 to 21 this year. Or we kick a field goal. We've got a really good kicker. If he hits it, we go play the Bengals, who also beat us, but it was a close game until there was five minutes left. The Chargers' run defense killed them all year. It killed them in that spot. The only in-game thing I blame Staley on, that fourth down call was insane. I don't care that some analytic bot tells you, well, you know, there's a 3% better chance. Look, that's garbage, okay? You cannot go for it down three points with eight minutes to go in the third quarter inside your own 20. And for people to say, well, they stopped them. Well, the game went to overtime. What happens if they don't give up points there? Maybe they just win outright. Now, yeah. it's a long way to go. Who knows how it all plays out? But you're donating three points in that spot. I thought it was a horrible decision. I don't care about the timeout. I don't care about any of that. But the fourth down call, and the call itself to just jam it into the line of scrimmage, when you couldn't block him all night long, I thought was egregious. So he's kind of guilty. Like, this dude 
can't get home with his Halloween candy before eating it. Like he has to have right. it now. And he said in his post game that he wanted an engine starter on the fourth down call. Dude, I get it. You want to get your offense going. You want it now. You you want the cheeseburger. You want the chocolate shake. You want the hundred grand bar. You want. You don't want to go Who through else? the. Pr- Right, like you, you want to get laid on the first date, whatever it is. Like, like you know, you, sometimes you gotta, you know, earn your way through. And they didn't, they they hadn't earned a drive there. You you, you punt the football, um, but the the timeout thing too. I don't agree with the timeout. Like the the Raiders were. I, I also I, there's two things here. Like the Raiders were going to run the ball. They weren't in a kneel yeah. down. Cars there. They're they're going to run it. I mean, his his idea is that he wanted to have the right personnel out there, which whatever that backfired, they got 10 yards on the play. So and it was just a weird momentum moment that was just was unnecessary. So I don't think he was right to call time. However, would they have stopped him? I you, Nobody knows. So they, they, they weren't going to they weren't going to kneel it. I, I, don't, I disagree with you on the the Raiders had, were trying to win the game. They were just trying to do it in a very conservative way. They had to have, right? No, to your not, point, like not, you didn't want to play Kansas City. You'd right. rather play the Bengals. They they have to know this. These guys are. I mean, come on. Well, of course. My, my argument isn't that they were trying to win. My argument is if you if they had run that third and four play, and they run for two yards, it would have been something like a fifty-seven yard field goal. At that point, I don't know that they would have kicked it because you've got to kick it on a lower trajectory. The ball might get blocked. There's a higher percentage of chaos happening. Whereas when he rips off 10, 12 yards. Then I think all of a sudden you say, all right, now we can kind of kick this the way you kick a normal field goal, which, you know, get, get a high trajectory on the ball. You're not as worried about it getting blocked. Listen, the bottom line is the Chargers have a great quarterback. They have weapons all over the place, and you can't win that game. I mean, that that is a brutal loss. Look, all the credit – and I want to also say this because I know we're talking about Staley. All the credit in the world to his counterpart on the other side, Rich Bisaccia, took over a team – they couldn't have had more stuff going on, both on and off the field. They find a way into the playoffs. They beat the Colts in Week 17. They beat the Chargers. Give the Raiders a lot of credit and give Carr a lot of credit. He led them through an impossible year, okay? And I think we're going to get to the game. I think they've got a real shot against Cincinnati. I know they're underdogs, but I think they're in that game. But you know what? Let's also be fair. The Chargers should beat the Raiders. I mean, there is no two ways about that. They should be beating the Texans who had two dozen guys on the COVID list. And the Chargers can't do anything. Look, I think Staley's gotten a lot of flowers for the way he's been this year and for some of the answers he's had and pressers and everything else. But when you look at the way they've played, I don't know that he deserves a ton of credit. They went 9-8 and eight with Justin Herbert. Like in today's NFL, you've got to make the playoffs. Like show me... And I believe uh, your buddy Nick Wright brought this up on, on First Things First. I want to give him credit for this, uh, this, this comment he made, which I agree with him. Um, who's the other star quarterback that's not in the playoffs? Right? right. I mean, it's a fair point. But- I mean, you, you've got to get in, man. Like, you've got to get in. To not get in with Herbert, I believe it was Nick Wright. I, I don't, if, I, if not, well, well, then Nick gets credit for a good point anyway. I, I I just I don't understand why Staley's viewed as his genius coach. And frankly, I thought he cost his teams as many games as he helped them win them. If we're if we're crediting uh, other talkers, uh, one with Nick, his 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 angle was the the worst decision that Staley made in the whole game was not going for two to try to win it at the end of regulation. 
which I can hear that. You know, hey, that aggressive, uh, right? I was shocked to kick the extra point. I was. I thought they had them on their heels to that point. But that, but surprised. that's that's so aggressive when you're in the playoffs. If you tie, like I, I and that's fair. That's totally I mean, that, fair. That's as just well. that's just a t- that's a tough call. But that was I thought that was Nick's most interesting take on it. I also you know I watched Rex Ryan absolutely positively kill Brandon Staley. Said the guy thinks that he hit a triple when he was born on third base. Right. So I mean that you that's, know this that's a bit much for me. Right. Well, so the, the old school they hate Staley. They hate oh, his analytics. They, they, everything right, right. Like it, it, it is such. It's, it's like, it's like Moneyball, a threat to, uh, to their entire being in the NFL. If, if, if this smart analytics guy is going to do it now, like to, to my criticism of Brandon, there's got to be a little bit of a better balance here, dude. Going forward on fourth and one at your own nineteen. That just is like that's reckless. I mean, that's just you don't you don't need to, and it and it puts him in a very awkward spot because when he's asked about it, he's got to defend his decision, and then he basically has to. On the one hand, he's showing confidence in his players to go for it, but when it doesn't happen, he's got to throw them under the bus. Well, you know, we didn't make the tackle, we didn't make the play, we should have had this. Like he's he has to defend his decision, which in essence puts it on his players. And then I do wonder how that resonates in the locker room, right? Because on one hand, I believe in you guys, fourth and one of the 19. But then when you don't get it, you just screwed me. And so now I got to go at you to make myself. And that is that is a dangerous little dance that he's got to well, play. I think it's got to drive the defense a little crazy at times, right? Like now all of a sudden you got to go back out there. You're already in your own red zone because your coach decided in the third quarter a three-point game to go. For, and here, look, here is the one thing from a broader perspective I will say. I, I, I rip on analytics and, and the, the people that do them a lot. But in all seriousness, I actually think analytics, like there's a real place for them. Um, I think I think coaches should be more aggressive than they are a lot of times. Um, and and there are actually a lot of people I think do great work with analytics. Ben Baldwin's one of them. You know, I'm I'm friends with Mike Tanner, who does a great job. He used to write a column here. Um, Aaron Schatz, who does great work in football outside. There's a lot. You go on down the line. My problem with the analytics crew, not everybody, but a lot is this mindset that if the numbers say something, then you are just beholden to that for life. Like there's no other context. There's no possible way that the numbers could be off by a, a quarter of a percent. Like in the end, it's a it's a model. It's not absolute. This idea that these numbers are just – like every well, but- situation is different. So like here's an example I'd ask you. Fourth and one, you're at your own seventeen. Now, I, I criticized him in the moment for that, okay? And I had a couple analytics people say to me, well, Cliff Kingsbury did it earlier in his game and it worked against Seattle. Okay, Seattle's defense sucks. You're at home in the game. You're not playing for a spot in the playoffs, all right? And on top of that, I still think it's a dumbass decision. Like, I still think it's stupid. Just I had somebody say to me, well, it worked earlier in the day and therefore it can't be a bad decision. And I said, well, if I walk into traffic, it's still a bad freaking decision if I made it across the street. I don't think it's a good idea. And I also think there's so many variables that, that analytics don't take into account. The emotion of the players, the swing in momentum, which if, the, if one more person tells me that momentum isn't a real thing, I'm going to scream. Have you ever played sports in your life? Have you ever been part of it? Of course, moment. have you ever played craps? Momentum's a thing in your head. It is an emotion. It is a state of feeling. It matters. You know, you, I saw the Chiefs in the playoffs years ago when they were down 24 nothing to Houston. And let me tell you something. They scored a touchdown. They three and out at Houston. They're down 24-7 at this point. 
The Texans ran a fake punt at their own 30-yard line and didn't get it. The that was the game. Second, the second that happened, that game was over. I don't care the Texans were up 17 points. And by the way, I texted somebody in the Chiefs organization after that and asked them after the game ended, when did you think you were going to win? And the response was the second Dan Sorensen made that tackle on that block, on that fake punt. You knew that game was over. The momentum had swung so hard their direction. So, yes, the models, the analytics, I think all of it can play a part and it can help you be successful. But people go way too far with this stuff. If the numbers tell you one little thing, that's it. You have to go with it. And God forbid you factor in any other. Plus the Chargers in that spot, you're backed up. So the crowd's closer to you. You're on the road. It's a very loud stadium on Sunday night. All that stuff matters. You get a half second less of a push off the line, especially on a run play. Like, I just think sometimes, like with Brandon Staley's approach, it is this mentality that, well, my chart says I'm right. It doesn't take into account all the other stuff that matters, and it can be that little bit of a difference. But in the NFL, that is that. It's a huge difference. Right. So, listen, if you're playing blackjack and you want to follow the book, which is what you should do, by the way, uh, and by the way, the book says you're going to lose, You, yeah, that's yeah. correct. When you have 16 and the dealer has a 10, you, you hit every time. But you can't, that doesn't apply to football. Uh, and the person that's at the table that doesn't hit on 10, don't ever come back to the blackjack table. If we're ever, you know, for Love people that's right. Well, for the people that go to casinos still, you know, th- that that is analytics and you follow it. In the NFL, it's a little bit different. Uh, we, we can move on here. Let's get to the teams that are actually in the playoffs. So here we go to the wild card. And what are you most excited about? Verem, let me rank the games for you because, you know, a lot of them I'm super excited about. I'm least excited about your Chiefs and Steelers, uh, which, by the way, I think we're going to be doing a live stream for that that you'll be involved in. So subscribe to the channel. Uh, get involved. That's the Arrowhead Addict uh uh, channel as will well. Be I, I don't want to. I don't want to dis. Uh, I don't want to mislead the viewers. I will not be on the entire time. I will be in and out. I will be doing pregame, postgame, halftime show, and I, I will pop in when I can, as I have to work on the editorial desk on Sunday. Well, I, I, I will definitely. I will be involved. I will yes, be heavily involved on Sunday. I, I, I'm looking forward to whatever your involvement is going to be, uh, and it will be fun to be doing that. But that's the game that I'm I, honestly. I think the Chiefs are going to kill him. But maybe maybe Ben Roethlisberger will find the fountain of youth. But I on, on oh. Saturday, uh, two phenomenal games, right? But I'm more Great. interested. In, I'm more interested in Bills Patriots. Uh, but the Bengals and the Raiders is going to be a phenomenal football game. And then you go to Sunday. The 49ers and Cowboys is fascinating. That's my number one, followed by Bucks and Eagles, and then the Steelers and the Chiefs. And then Monday night, uh, which I think is just weird that the NFL is doing this and it's unfair, but uh, Cardinals and Rams is a great game. So that that it's it's really it's a it's a it's a pretty damn good schedule here. It's a good weekend of games. Um, I'll, I'll I'll put it this way, uh, and we're gonna break them all down with with good old Ben Heisler uh, later here as we have a six pack. The last time we'll have a six pack of games to break down. After this, it becomes a four pack, a two pack, and then just a single malt liquor. Um, <laughs> look, I I think the two games I just cannot see an upset in are the both of the two seven games. I, I have a really hard time seeing Philadelphia going into Tampa and winning that game. I I, I do look, and I like Jalen Hurts. I, I like him a lot actually, but. That's a that's a brutal spot, man. You're going in there. You're a run first team against a really good run defense. Brady on the other side. Like, I I have a really hard time seeing Philadelphia win that game. I could see him maybe hanging around the number 
uh, nine and a half, ten. But I, and then the Chiefs game. I am a Chiefs fan, so I worry about everything involving the Chiefs. I, I got to say though, this is the one time if they lose this game, you're going to need somebody else to do this show because I'm going to be gone for six months. I there is no way they should ever lose this football game. This would take them having a cataclysmic meltdown to lose to Pittsburgh at home. I mean, I, I really can't see the game I'm most excited for. I'll give I'll give one of these comps. Bills Pats, Belichick third time against an opponent in the year. Two very interesting games prior. Obviously, the crazy game Buffalo at the wind, and then the Pats game uh, or the game up in New England where the the Pats lost, uh, and Allen went crazy. My suspicion in that game is you're going to see Belichick say, Josh Allen, you are not running the ball. You are going to throw it. It is going to be brutally cold. We are going to put J.C. Jackson opposite of Diggs. So, in other words, on like an Emmanuel Sanders or Gabriel Davis, we're going to shut him down and we're going to double Diggs. And that's how we're going to play this game. Um, But in the NFC, I got to say, I grew up in in the 90s. Okay, my first real memories of big-time football was Dallas and San Francisco every year. It's the first time they've played in the playoffs since 1994. I'm excited about that. And also, I think it's cool, and it just kind of happened, I think, this way. But it's on CBS, which carried the NFC forever. And you're going to get – you know, back in the days when John Madden and Pat Summerall were calling the big games, it was Dallas and San Francisco. And, the, and right after, of course, the unfortunate passing of John Madden, it's Dallas and San Francisco on CBS in the playoffs. CBS should go old school and bring back its old intro from when if you know they should they should make it like it's an old school NFC game on that on the broadcast. That would be I, awesome. I, I, I'm that'd be amazing, and I think we should get that message to the upper ups. I'm actually going to tweet that out here. I, I, you know, we, it really should happen. It really make awesome. make a move. By the way, your the Chiefs fans in here are just uh, over the top cocky starting with Patrick Allen, who's calling it Ben Roethlisberger's uh, retirement party, who, who, of course, is your partner over at Arrowhead Attic. And then you got Gonzo. Should we rest Hill and Kelsey for the game? Make it fair start, Henny, from Cheeto Freak. Like, hey, uh, hey, 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 Kansas City. Hey, Bertram. Uh, how many Super Bowls have you guys won? Uh, personally, zero. Uh, I, don't, I don't play, but the Chiefs have won one in the last years and been to the last two. Yeah, I, I understand. Would you would you say, and this is going to feel unfair, but would you say you've underachieved? If you lose this year, would it be an underachievement? How's that? Well, are you asking me if the Chiefs lose this game, is it an underachievement? No, 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 no. I'm asking. Because that, that's an obvious answer. I, if they lose, period. If they lose, I'm saying if they don't win it this year with Patrick Mahomes, with – the expectations that have been there. If you, you last year you fell apart at the end, your offensive line couldn't block anyone. I, I granted you had a ton of injuries, and if you come up short this year, like the fact that you're not the one seed right now, that's not uh, that's an underachievement in my mind. I think in most people's minds. So I, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, the, this this chief confidence. I'm trying to knock it down just a peg here. You know what? I'll I'll put it this way: if they go to the Super Bowl and they lose. It's not, if they lost the Packers, that's not an underachievement. The Packers are really good. And if they went to three straight Super Bowls, won one of them, I think as a Chiefs fan, you'd be a little disappointed they didn't win more than one of them. But, no, I, I can't say that. I mean, it, you know, I've been saying on the Arrowhead Attic podcast all year, man, if if they even lose in the AFC Divisionals, or the, or the AFC title game, it's disappointing. They're a great team. But, like, what are you going to do? I mean, they've gone to three straight AFC title games. They've gone to two straight Super Bowls. They've won one of them. Like, if they lose this game, it's a train wreck. But, 
it's, 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 it's the golden era of Chiefs football. I get it. It'll never be like this again where you're probably not. I mean, certainly not where you're, you're literally going to be in contention seemingly for at least half, if not a full decade. That's amazing. Uh, but I just, you know, this, this, this level of, of confidence, I gotta, I, I, you're, you're, you're kind of acting like you're new England is, is what a little bit, just, 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 just a drop. So I feel like I need to get in there, but yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Gonzo the beast, by the way. I man, we're just happy to be here. You don't you don't have to be just happy to be here. You you've earned more than that, Gonzo. You 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 guys are you're you're well, there. Let, let's call let's let's just be real about it. They're a thirteen point favorite in this game. <laughs> I, if they lose this game, it's one of the worst playoff losses of anybody's history. Like literally, I mean, it really is. How many teams have been a thirteen point a favorite and a loss? So that would be crushing. But if they if they lose the Bills and the Titans, I mean, look, you'd be disappointed. But I don't think you'd be like, oh, my God, how did it happen? As And, and I think, you know, yeah, Chief fans, not that they all may want to hear this, but, yeah, there is some New Englandish to it now because they win all the time. They win all the time. I mean, hell, they beat Denver on Saturday, and I was ripping the daylights out of the team for 20 minutes on the podcast because I thought they stunk. But that's the expectation. Look, when I was a kid most of my life, hell, a kid, I, when I was most of my 20s, I expected them to lose. They were a losing franchise. They were losers. That's what they were. They found ways to to just blow games. I mean, Carm, you did radio in Kansas City for years. You know, like they just lost games. Now, the flip side of that is now they're they're just they're dominant. They win all the time. They, look, if they win this week and, and, and there's chalk in the AFC, they play Buffalo. I think Buffalo is the most talented team in the AFC, not named Kansas City. I think the Bills could win that game, but I got to be honest. Would I be scared of the Bills? No, I respect them. But do I think the Chiefs should beat them? Yeah, I do. I think the Chiefs should beat anybody that comes to Arrowhead Stadium. So, yes, there's definitely – I understand the people who are not Chiefs fans who are like, screw that team, screw their fan base, I'm tired of them. I totally get it. But I think there's confidence when you've got 15 out there and 87 and 10 and Reed. And, you know, yeah, of course. Let's move on from Kansas City, but I just want to uh, address Cheeto Freak's last uh, – last chat we had to deal with matt castle and todd todd haley give us a pass hey i like that era of chiefs football the the todd haley part more than the matt castle part i was a todd haley i well i thought i was just a todd haley fan i understand castle sucked and uh or castle he was that 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 was the longest delivery of the football in the history of football but uh nice guy and if it wasn't there good night (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's do upsets in the wild card round. What are you predicting the most? Listen, I could see the I could see the Raiders winning. On uh, I could see the the Pats winning. I could see the 49ers winning. I could see the Cardinals winning. I, I think that's all, which is why I it's agree. a good. I mean, I but if I if I had to pick one of the most likely, or who would I who would my my, my number one shot be? Actually, Verham, go ahead. Who do you got? 49ers. Uh, yeah. Niners. I, the Niners to me. Look, I almost went with the Cardinals because Stafford is just bizarre, man. Those games, like, Stafford could either throw them into a blowout win or he could throw them right out. Like, he just has weird games. But I think the Niners are as good as Dallas. Like, I, I think the Niners are as good as the Cowboys, maybe even a touch better. The Cowboys have not beaten anybody this year worth a damn outside of New England, who I don't I don't even know how much you're thrilled about that win. Like, they're, the, the Cowboys have six wins in the NFC East. They, they got hammered by the Chiefs. They did beat the Chargers in week two. 
Okay, it feels like a lifetime ago. But the Cowboys just do not beat good teams. They got beat by Arizona. They got beat by Tampa. They got beat by Kansas City. Um, I just wonder, like, are they really good? Are they? Are they? Are they just good? So I'll take the Niners. I think the Niners are going to win the game. So let's get on the mental side of this because I just think this is a complete and utter nightmare for the Bills. Like, I think they'd literally rather play anybody else in the AFC other than seeing New England over there. It, there's a mental side of this. They, of course, lost uh, to the Pats at home earlier this year, beat them on the road, but whatever. Lost to New England. Here they come again against Belichick in the playoffs. We are the better team. We know it. They've got a rookie quarterback. We should make Mac Jones look terrible, but if you're a Bills fan, like, you guys drink heavily before games. This could be the the the, uh, the ultimate break table Bills mafia before the game because you are damn nervous that your season's going to end. My biggest concern about the Bills, I think they could lose this game, is again Belichick for a third time. Right. My my feeling and my guess, just having watched him for two decades, he is going to do whatever he has to do to keep Allen in that pocket. He is going to put J.C. Jackson on Gabriel Davis. He's going to double Stephon Diggs. And he's basically going to say, Josh Allen, I don't care. It's three degrees. You're not getting out of that pocket. Throw it. Throw the ball. And he has struggled, man. Allen, he has not played well down the stretch. He did not play well against Carolina. He was awful against Atlanta. He was not good against the Jets. Now, he did play very well in New England. Well, what was the one common denominator of those other three games? They're all bad weather. Every one of them. And it was good weather against New England. Well, now it's going to be two degrees out in this game, and it might snow. Allen is – listen, you always think of the team where they play, and you go, oh, Buffalo, they should be good in cold weather. Allen's from California. Like, he wasn't playing in two-degree weather. so He he better be used to it by now. He better be, but he's not, man. He doesn't play well. Go look at his numbers. Yeah, There are two guys in the playoffs this year who have – now, Mac Jones, of course, we don't know about. He's a rookie. Two guys in the AFC playoffs who have been brutal in bad weather. Josh Allen and Derek Carr. Brutal. Uh, I'm just telling you this from a Bears fan standpoint, if I may get them in there for a minute. And by the way, congratulations to the Bears and their fans for moving on from Nagy and Pace. Although that press conference yesterday with George McCaskey Not was, was uh, as as bizarre as things come. And, and, and there's been a lot of bizarre over there. But uh, if Mac Jones goes out there and looks good in the cold and beats Buffalo – Bears fans won't want to admit it, but it's a terrible feeling, uh, an absolute terrible feeling with uh, Justin Fields finishing up his rookie year at 2-8 and eight and the Bears never getting a quarterback call right. I'm not saying that Mac Jones is going to be a superstar in the league, but he's he's also had a better year than a lot of people are giving him credit for. Uh, a lot of people just want to say, hey, he's never going to be good. Are you sure? You sure? You don't, you don't have to have every quarterback uh, metric this, to be successful in the league. We so I, I, it's been an impressive first year, and I, I do think like you are going to either stamp himself as like Mac Jones is legit if he has a big game here, or it's going to be the, the questions will remain: is he actually a long term fit for them at quarterback if if he if they come up woefully short here? Would you agree with that? Yeah, look, but I, I think Fields can play. I'm not worried about Fields. I really am not. I, I think Fields is good, man. I, I just think they have no talent around them, and I think their coaching staff will go. I mean, listen, he, he, he was under pressure all, all year, and the coaching staff was a joke. Uh, but but you're, he does need the right fit here. He's, I think he's the most talented quarterback. If you put him in, in a messed-up coaching staff who's got a system that they want to run and it doesn't fit him, which is exactly what happened this year, 
you, you might have some trouble here. Um, and Brian Dable, you want to come on over? Because you made Josh Allen a hell of a lot better quarterback over the years. I think Dable would be great. I think Dable would be great. The enemy, I'll bang that table forever. I think Eric Bieniemy would be a very good hire, a very good fit. Um, I think Greg Roman would be a great fit. Uh, agreed. He, agreed. Everybody he, who plays quarterback um, for the Ravens is good somehow. I mean, hell, he was great with Kaepernick. And I think Fields is, is a better passer than Kaepernick or Lamar Jackson. So I, I would love to see him go get Greg Roman. Well, that's that. the be a great fit. Well, that would be the dream scenario for a lot of Bears fans right now. Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan, comes back to where he was drafted in the first round, brings back Vic Fangio, who just got launched out of Denver, was his defensive right. coordinator in San Francisco. And then, okay, we'll take Greg Roman and make him somehow the, the highest paid offensive coordinator, and he leaves the Ravens because he wants to be back with his buddy. This won't happen. You just yawned through that. It, but I It just... will not happen. No. <laughs> no. But it's a, it's a fun thought, Carl. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a good one. All right, uh, let's see here. We're going to bring Ben Heisler in for our picks in a second. Uh, best, who, let me just ask you that because let's wrap that one up. Your best coaching candidate out there, Verderam, as we just ran through a bunch. I, I think if you need a if you need a guy who can tutor a young quarterback, and look, let's look around. I mean, it's Jacksonville, Chicago, it's Miami to a degree. Uh, I, I think it's Dable. I think it's Dable, but. Because of field skill set, I like Greg Roman a lot for them. I think Greg Roman would make a lot of sense. I don't see him getting a lot of play. Um, you know, Biennemi, again, I mean, he's been a good coach in Canada for three friggin' years. I don't know what the holdup is there. Everybody says he has an interview. Well, I got to tell you, I listen to the guy every week during his press conference. I, I cannot believe that's true. But I I think, I think to me, you got to go offensive-minded. Although, Brian Flores, like, I cannot believe he got fired. Any team that lands Brian Flores did just fine. So I'll throw that caveat. He's a defensive-minded coach. That guy can coach, man. They have no offensive line. They have had no quarterback. And they've had two winning seasons in a row. And he got fired Why? Because he doesn't get along with Chris Greer, the GM, who drafted Tua over Herbert and who drafted Austin Jackson in the first round. It stinks. I would have fired Chris Greer, but that's just me. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Let's bring Ben Heisler in right now, managing editor, Bet Sided, and uh, Ben wants to weigh in on this because I, I, and I knew as, as Verderam was talking that Heisler was going to, was getting hot and bothered and, and needed to get his thoughts out there. So go ahead, Ben Heisler. Welcome to the show, buddy. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. How good to be back after a, a week hiatus. Uh, I, I agree. I, I think Brian Flores with the right offensive mind is a dynamite combination, especially if you're talking about a place like Chicago. My concern is that he's their first head coaching interview amongst many candidates that, are, that they're going to be talking to. Initially, I wouldn't want him to leave the building. I feel like this is the ideal opportunity for him, but you also should do your due diligence here. But I don't know if, if Greg Roman is going to get a, a head coaching opportunity, especially with the struggles and inconsistencies in Baltimore this year. I don't think a lot of it is on him per se. I, I just think they've dealt with a ton of injuries, but you saw the type of development that he had under Colin Kaepernick with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco, the development with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I, I think it makes a ton of sense. And I wonder if Baltimore has to move on from Roman amidst that bad season that they had whether or not he'd go to Chicago as an offensive mind to develop Justin Fields, I think that would be a sensational hire. 
let's uh, let's let it all spin. And let me just make one point before we get to picking games. The one thing that sucks for me in this whole scenario, just from a Chicago standpoint, that I'll leave the Bears alone. Do you root for them? Yeah. Well, that that's one. But there, Matt Nagy. He was a nice dude. He was a good guy, and they just killed him. Like none of that mattered. He was, uh, you know, he 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 represented the organization. He 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 was positive with his players. He he was basically like a high school coach. He would talk about being on airplanes and be like, it was so cool. Like some guys were reading and some guys were eating and some guys were napping. And I mocked him for it because I thought it was ridiculous. Like I'm like, dude, you belong coaching a junior college team. But on the back end of it, like there's just so many assholes in, in the NFL that like Nagy was like he just was a likable dude. And so I'm just I, it bums me out that he that he didn't make it. But yeah, I. As a Bears fan, I, I was rooting for him too. I, I, I thought there was a genuine opportunity. And, and Andy Reid even said that of all the coaches from his coaching tree, this guy was the most qualified to step into the position and take over as a head coach. It just, I, I think the, the issues on, on offense and the inability to change and adapt just killed him. Right, you know? right. That, yeah. that's, that's what it came down. If he, if he would have been the CEO type and brought a bunch of really smart offensive guys around him and worked with them and didn't call plays, maybe he could have stuck around a little bit longer. But he he loved it, man. He loved calling plays. That was his thing. He talked about it constantly. And in the end, it came back to bite him. And I, and I wonder what, the next time he gets a coaching opportunity, because I think he'll coach again. Mm. Uh, maybe that's something that he takes with him. And I think he'll be more successful. Yeah, I don't know about that coaching again thing because he's got a system and he wants to play into it, and it, it just bit him in the ass. And you're excellent. Adam point. Gates coached again, Carm. That's fair. Yeah, he's gonna get another opportunity. I, I but but, but he was looked at. But he made Cutler good, dude. He he looked like he looked like a guru at a point, so he got people excited. Nagy never did that. Would be my argument. Uh, and and Cheeto Freak, your point that he took the MVP, uh, Mick Tr- Mitchell Trubisky, to the to the playoffs is a great point. He he did it twice, by the way. Uh, there was two playoff appearances, although Mitch did get benched in, in the second run. But uh, uh, the MVP is a good one too. All right, let's let's make some money here, team. Ben Eisler, get hot in the playoffs. We're going to start with Cincinnati and the Raiders. A lot of people are giving the Raiders a shot here. The Bengals are a six point favorite at home. The number is 49. Welcome to a home game for Cincinnati. You got to love it. Uh, ben, you, you, you're riding with Joe Burrow here? Where are you going? I, I want to ride with Joe Burrow, but they've played in a lot of close games, and the Raiders have actually been one of the better close team games in the NFL. When the game gets very close, they've won every game they've played in overtime this year, and it just seems like for whatever reason, they'll they'll make some key plays and some big stops. Now, they didn't do it to get into overtime against the Chargers. They let them right back in the game. Um, but I, I think the Bengals will win. I, I just think it'll be closer than most people anticipate. I think the Raiders are going to ride that high a little bit, keep this game more interesting than they probably should. I mean, we've buried the Raiders multiple times on this very show, and they somehow continue to rise up from the dead. So going to Cincinnati, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. I, I just don't see a scenario in which the Bengals, because of some of their issues, especially in the defensive side of the ball in their secondary, uh, end up just completely containing the Raiders. I think they're going to run the ball on them. I think they're going to keep it close. They're going to slosh it up. Uh, I'll say the Raiders cover the six. I agree. I agree with all, all that. I think the Raiders will cover. I think it will be close. I would not be surprised if the Raiders win. Now, I did mention, Ben, before you came on, Carr is awful in bad weather. Awful. He's never won a game under 35 degrees, and it's it's supposed to be 27. So, does that matter? I think it does. You know, I think mentally it does. Um, 
they're on the road. They're a warm weather team or a dome team. You're going to Cincinnati. Now the flip side of that is um, neither one of these teams have ever been here. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game since 1991. Okay. Excuse me. Since 1990, January of 91, the 1990 season. Um, the Raiders have not won one since 2002. So you have two teams. No, the coaches have never been to playoff game. The quarterbacks have never been to playoff game. Carr got his team to the playoffs once. We didn't play because he was hurt. Like, this is a game where I think anything's possible because you don't know how these teams are going to react to this. The game, in my eyes, the biggest matchup in this game. Can Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe force a turnover or two with Burrow? They are going to hit him. They are going to get pressure. The Bengals' offensive line is brutal. You know Crosby this year? Um, TJ Watt we'll talk about here in a second. It's had an unbelievable year, right? 22 and a half sacks, all-time record, the whole deal. Crosby, I believe it is, has 40 more pressures than TJ Watt this year. Like, that feels impossible, and yet it's true. So the Raiders are going to get pressure. Can they turn that into a couple of big mistakes by the Bengals? But I like the Raiders to cover the Bengals to win and, and to over to hit. I think this is easily going to hit over. We haven't seen Joe Burrow back on the field since he left the field, so I am curious what kind of condition Burrow is actually in. I'm assuming he's fine, but it'll be interesting to see what he – and the other part of this, just the mental side. To me, the Raiders are playing with house money. You weren't supposed to be here. You have Definitely. you should be you should be flowing in here like hey man let's let's roll we're Cincinnati uh, your your season whether it's successful or not this is it, it it's a little more on you go ahead I'm gonna one more thing real quick as somebody who has intimate history with this feeling she's couldn't win a playoff game forever and let me tell you something if something went wrong in one of those playoff games over those 22 years they couldn't win a playoff game you you just started to clench as a Chiefs because you knew like oh god. Like, block, punt, miss a field goal, whatever. Bengals fans, it's been literally 30 years since they've won a playoff game. The, if, if, if anything goes wrong early in that game, the energy in that stadium is going to be panic. And, and that's a real thing. Like, that's a palpable feeling. I actually think in a weird way being at home for them, like, look, you definitely rock, you want to be at home. But if, if they get down 10-3, and they're not looking like they normally do, and they drop a pass on Thursday, the, you're going to hear it. You're going to feel it through the screen that there's nervousness in Cincinnati. I've been there. Believe me. Like, that's a real thing. 100%. And people talk about, oh, there's, there's, there's curses, uh, most famously, I guess, with the Cubs in baseball. It's, it's not a curse. There's a, real ex, there's a real extra pressure when you're, when you're playing for an organization that has not won in a long time. The player, it, it, you, you, these are human beings. It's talked about. The fans feel it. It, it is an energy, as you just outlined, Vertoram, that actually exists. I mean, it's, it's, it's very real. So you have to have, which is a part of the thing for me with organizations that haven't won in a while, you better have players who can handle that when you're at least consider it when you're bringing them in because they're going to have to deal with it. Speaking of dealing with the extra pressure, by the way, is the Bills at home with New England and staring. You don't see Tom Brady, but you do see Bill Belichick. And, of course, uh, here comes Mac Jones. Buffalo's a four-and-a-half-point favorite here, Ben. 43 people are expecting a low-scoring game. Yeah, I think that's probably the play, although the weather is supposed to be fairly reasonable in Buffalo for this game. If we're going to talk about it in Cincinnati, we should definitely talk about it in Buffalo too. Right now it's supposed to be in high 20s, sunny, uh, winds upwards of, of maybe 8 to 10 miles per hour. That's you know, that's that's a very good day Balmy. in Buffalo in January. 
Um, and, and that should play into the, the Bills' favor. But uh, think about this. <laughs> I, I was looking over some of the, the, the recent against the spread trends for, for some of these playoff teams. Um, you know, Pittsburgh we'll talk about in a second as far as their ability as, a, as an underdog. But as an away underdog going all the way back to 2003, the Patriots have only been underdogs. This is, this is crazy to me. They've only been underdogs on the road um, 43 times in almost 20 years. That's, that's insane. And to factor that up, they're 26, 16, and one against the spread is an away underdog, covering about 62% of the time. Uh, they went to Buffalo, beat them last time. I know that they're struggling coming into this game. Uh, but they're going to slash it up, and it's going to be another low-scoring game. I, I think they're going to make some adjustments. Bill Belichick, one of those coaches that you don't want to play for a third time. You don't often want to play him a second time, but a third time, I, I think you give the edge back to him. So uh, rather than focus on a team here, I'll, I'll lean on the under 43. I, I just It's going to be one of those games where you go back and forth for a little bit, uh, but there's not going to be a lot of offense in this game considering Buffalo has that ability to be explosive. The Patriots are going to take that explosiveness away, even in weather that's conducive to them having well, some success. So I like the under. So on, on Saturday, on Saturday night, the forecast on the weather channel, it's going to be three degrees in Buffalo. Now there's not going to be a lot of wind. It's about 30% chance of snow. Heisler's Hello? fired as a weatherman. He's officially out. I mean, what kind, what type of weatherman I, is this? I then 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 my sources are are pretty terrible. I I, I have it set where it's going to be twenty nine in that matchup, but uh, is, that clearly is not right. Be, it is a high of nine in Buffalo on Saturday. Yeah, and it's a low of three. Look, I back, back the not, under, back the Patriots. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I am taking the under and the Patriots all day long. I don't know if the Patriots will win the game, but I think they have a real shot to. And I will tell. And we've been talking about this game a lot, so I won't stick on it forever. If I'm a Bills fan, this game terrifies me. That This is a team, and Carm, you said that they maybe you would not want to play them more than anybody else, and maybe you're right. Like, Mac Jones doesn't scare me at all, um, but them running the ball does, and three degrees with Josh Allen does, because Josh Allen in cold weather has not been good. He has not been good. They look so uncomfortable. That's one of the things I will say um, that amazes me with Aaron Rodgers and Lambeau. Like, it never phases him. He just looks fine in it. Doesn't matter. California guy, doesn't matter. Mahomes, Texas kid in Kansas City, they have played in some bad weather in the playoffs, and it has not affected him at all. It makes no difference. It affects Buffalo. It has affected them. They have not been good when it's been windy. Now, it's not supposed to be windy on Saturday night, but it's supposed to be brutally cold. That favors New England. If you are Buffalo, you're duck. Look. You're dying for a game in the 30s, 40s, 50s if you're Buffalo. It's going to be three. And I will tell you, as someone who, who went to school in that area of the country, the snow forecast, wake me up on Saturday morning because all it takes is something coming in off the lake, and you could go from, ah, it's not going to snow, to 10 inches in a heartbeat. Like, I lived it for four years. So – It'll, it'll be very interesting. I think the Pats cover the spread, and I think with five minutes left, everybody is having a heart attack at, at, at uh, the Bills game. I think that is going to be a very, very good uh, matchup, a fun one. And Cheeto Free, yes, I, here comes the I walked to school uphill both ways in the snow. I'll tell you what, I actually walked backwards a lot of times in Oswego when I went to school because the wind coming off the lake was so hard. This is true. You guys, maybe everyone went to school in that area. 
that if you walked into it, it was like a suction over your face. So to breathe, you either have to cover up your face or you can just walk backwards. And a lot of kids go up there and walk backwards. And sometimes you actually really would genuinely do that. Thank God, though, shout out to Oswego for building underground tunnels so you could walk on the campus in the winter underground. Because up overground, oh, my God, forget it. But it was hell, a lot of fun. Great parties. Great parties in Oswego. And they gave me a degree, too, so I went. Six degrees of radio separation, by the way. When I was leaving Chicago radio, I went and interviewed in Buffalo uh, for a gig that paid $200 a week doing updates. And I was going to take the gig, but they wouldn't give it to me. And they said, hey, there's a gig in... There's a gig in Kansas City that's available. Why don't you go interview for that, which I did, and then I got, which makes me a secondary Chiefs fan. And then Heisler eventually took that job. So I don't know if he goes to that job, if I wasn't in that job. Six degrees of radio all the way through. And my point being, to bring it up, Buffalo, I love you, Bills fans. Matt Timon, number one, former intern of mine, who's, who's got the Bills are going to make you want to shout as his ringtone on his phone. I don't know if you ever heard that song. It's, 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 it, I mean, it is, it is a beauty when that thing goes off in the office. You guys are great fans. That city, that's a tough look. In the, I mean, it was like when I went to visit, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I can live here. This is, this is, and I feel like I can live anywhere. That's embrace it. I mean, Buffalo is Buffalo is another level. All right, let's get here. Get back on track here. I could live in Tampa Bay, by the way, uh, who's hosting Philadelphia. What a transition. Good job, Carm. Bucks and Eagles in Tampa, a, a heavy favorite here. Uh, Nine-point favorite, 49 the number. You give the Eagles a chance to cover here, Ben? Not particularly. It's a great opportunity for, for Brady, who's been so good at home. He gets to play in the, the early afternoon game uh, where he's been dominant throughout the course of the season. He's, he's struggled – uh, occasionally in covering when it comes to night times. I don't know if that's a you know, 44-year-old thing uh, that's been joked around for, for Tom Brady. But early afternoon in his home stadium where he's 6-2 and two against the spread, margin of victory has been fairly solid. And here's what the Eagles do best. They run the football, and that's also the way that the Bucks slow down everybody. Yeah. Now, it's not to say that Hurts can't go downfield. They still have Devontae Smith. Uh, they still have some weapons, but it's nowhere close to what they want to do. And that's their biggest threat. And that's what's allowed them to be really successful in the second half of the season. Their run game has opened up everything. So I, I think Tampa Bay blows them out. I, it's a nice story for the Eagles. Nick Sirianni in his first year, who from the moment he spoke at that opening press conference, I thought, oh boy, these, these guys are doomed. Uh, did, did not go over well. But credit to him. Credit to Jalen Hurts for having a very solid full first year. And now they get the chance to play Tampa, which is just the wrong matchup in the wrong stadium and at the, at the wrong time. I like Tampa Bay to cover this number. I'd probably bet it up to 10. I, I'd probably bet it up to 14. Uh, I, I, I think the Bucs are going to win. Things you don't have to. Yeah, I, the, I think the Bucs are going to win this game going away. I, well, I could make a case for the Eagles keep it close. You know, one of these games where, you know, the Bucs are beat up offensively. Maybe they bog down here or there, and it's one of these games where it's like 27 to 19. I mean, you can make that case. I won't. I think the Bucks win handily. I think it's more something like 27 to 13, 27 to 10. Um, the, you know, Ben, you, you said it right. Look, they have to run the ball to win. They, but against Tampa, it's a death sentence. You just cannot run against that front. They've been more susceptible to the run this year than people think. But they've not they, – they're still a hard team to run against. And the Eagles just don't threaten you. Like, Sirianni, if they're going to have any shot in this game, they've got to completely change who they are and throw the ball over the place. And I just don't think that suits Hurts. They've not won one game this year. Not one game against a team with a winning record. Now, I will say, 
They played Tampa earlier this year, and they hung around in the game. They were outplayed. They, 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 they hung around in the game. So for the Eagles, it at least gives you some confidence going in there that, like, hey, we've seen these guys. And we saw them when they were a lot healthier than they are now. And we were in that game with five minutes to go. So it does give you some confidence. But I just – I think it's one of those games that's a little bit, you know, a little hit and touch and go early. And then Brady just kind of marches them down the field. They get a turnover. They score again. And then away they go. The public – loves the Bucks, but they don't love them the most of any team in the playoffs. Do you, you guys want to, at least Carm sources, the website that I look at for the public, who do you think the public loves the most this weekend? Kansas City. Yeah, that, that, that's got to be it. And and I'll, I'll get to a pretty good stat about Pittsburgh coming up, but I, I would say the public is all over Kansas City this week. So the public likes 55% of the bets are on, 56% of the bets are on KC. So not not correct. The public loves the Bills. Which I find interesting. That that is interesting. Like I, maybe it's because the number's smaller. You know, four and a half. It's one of the smaller spreads. But man, I gotta tell you, if I was a big gambler, I would have. Like I think the Bills are the better team. I would have deep reservations, knowing Belichick is just sitting there, and it's a third time he's seen this team, and it's going to be three effing degrees out. Like I, I would be. I would have deep. You just can't. You just picture on Saturday night. CBS showing Belichick on the sideline with like 12 minutes to go, and like everybody's huddled up, like looking like they're gonna die. And Belichick's just like red in the face, just kind of with that grin, just like just, just staring out at the field, and you're like, oh my god, like he, the man's not human. You can just see it coming. For for us contrarians out here, it's a lot easier to say New England than it is to say Pittsburgh and or Philly, despite the points. Um, but. If, if I'm betting this weekend, which I will be, uh, I will be betting on. I'll probably I'll probably take the Eagles over the, and and not the Steelers. But I, I got to think about it. Not not going out on a limb right now. We'll, I'll have to figure that one out. Giving myself some time. All right, Dallas is a three point favorite. Ben at home with a fifty one point number. Here come the the Fighting Forty Niners. I it's interesting to me. Trey Lance is playing better than Jimmy Garoppolo right now. What are you going to do, San Francisco? How do you see this one, Ben? I mean, I was advocating for Trey Lance to play in week 18 and, and good for Jimmy G for being able to lead him down that drive. I, I thought Trey Lance should have been playing through most of the season. And uh, so far, I've been proven wrong throughout that point. I, I think the 49ers are live here. They're playing incredibly tough uh, matchup, I think, very well with Dallas. And the 49ers actually gained the most yards per play than any team in the league that coming from our own Ian McMillan over at bedsided um, in, in Dallas for as many times as they've taken the ball away on defense. Uh, uh, Trayon Diggs has gotten shelled as well in coverage. He's had a lot of struggles. He's given up yes. a ton of yards. Uh, I, I worry if he gets matched up with somebody like Debo Samuel, they're they're They've, really started to take advantage uh, of some deep routes downfield. Samuel's being used all over the field. I just think they match up very, very well. And the 49ers are, are I think, even though they, they're a dominant running team, I like them indoors. I like them in a dome. I think they can take advantage of that speed. And I don't know if the Cowboys are going to be able to stop them. And I also like Kyle Shanahan to make more adjustments than Mike McCarthy. So I, I think this is your big upset of the week. I like the 49ers not just to cover the number, but I like a money line as well. Well, this is boring. I'm uh, I'm with uh, Mr. Heisler. I think the Niners are going to win the game. The Cowboys have beaten nobody this year. Since, since week two, they beat the Chargers. They've beaten nobody. The Pats in an overtime game, fine. But 
certainly, certainly not uh, not overly excited about the Cowboys. Look, the Cowboys' offense, unless it's been against Washington or Philly, down the stretch has been really mediocre. It's not terrible, but really mediocre. I think the Niners win the game. I think, look, Samuel's, to me, the best weapon in the game. Kittle's a great player. You know that the Niners are going to run the ball. You know they're going to. I like them. I think they win the game. All right, two more. Pittsburgh and Kansas City. There is nothing more painful in the NFL right now than watching Ben Roethlisberger throw the football. I mean, is that five miles an hour, three miles an hour? I mean, somehow it's they're there. I mean, it's, 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 it's a it, killing it, him. I mean, it is like and, – and full body effort, too, to, to get whatever he's getting on it. Uh, Chiefs, are, are you guys going to lay the number here, 13, 46 and a half? I'm not. No. I, I, I don't particularly look at Pittsburgh as any sort of threat to Kansas City, but this is a historic opening. There's been no team that's opened up this high um, for the wild card round in NFL history. The, the largest spread was actually – um, the Saints last year against the Bears when they were the number two seed and Chicago was the number seven seed and ended covered. up lucking themselves into the playoffs. Um, interestingly enough, the Saints ended up covering that spread by just one point, 21 to nine. Um, Which was interesting. He, they did not allow the Bears to kick the extra point. Uh, but anyway, go ahead. I, I remember that game. I, not that I bet it as a, as a Bears fan, but I, I certainly remember that being a fairly interesting talking point. I, Mike Tomlin has been dominant in these spots over the course of his career, no coach has had a better record against the spread as an underdog. Like nobody like, we're talking about all, all the coaches in NFL history. Mike Tomlin has been that dude. He is 47, 23 and three as an underdog. He's covered more than 65% of his games. He's also the only coach to have a winning record straight up as an underdog. He's 38 and 37. Now again, the Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to go into Kansas City with this team, with this quarterback, and beat them. But can they keep it close? Can T.J. Watt cause a lot of issues with Kansas City's offensive line? Yeah, he's been doing that all season with a bunch of other teams. So why can't he do it in Kansas City as well? I, it always felt like the Chiefs very rarely have both sides working effectively for them. One of those games this year was Pittsburgh, and they blew him out. That was one of the games that Tomlin did not cover as an underdog. This is one of those games where they're going to make adjustments. And I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I like the under here, uh, even though Pittsburgh has had a bunch of issues stopping the run. But Kansas City doesn't like to commit to the run either. Uh, I, I think it's a low-scoring game. I, I like Pittsburgh to cover 13 points. is a lot of points. It's a historic number of points. And judging Mike Tomlin's record in this situation in times before, opportunities to make adjustments in a rematch game, Kansas City will win. But I do like Pittsburgh to cover here. I think the Chiefs are going to kill them. Like I, I can't express what well, I, I if, this, if you told me the score is forty four to six I'd be like yeah, I could say it happening I we already saw it happen this year they, 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 listen I always get hesitant saying so especially about the Chiefs because it's always like well you know does this end up just being something that's like played on a loop for the rest of time I have all the respect in the world for Tom and I wrote my column on Monday I think he should be the coach of the year like, I, I think he's I think he's done a tremendous job. The Steelers have a great pass rush. Watt, Hayward, Wormley's underrated. They literally do nothing else well. Nothing. They don't cover well. They don't stop the run. They can't run the ball on the offensive side. Najee Harris, everybody keeps pointing out this 1,200 yards. He's rushed for 3.9 yards a carry. And the offense throwing the ball, my God, he is so unbelievably washed up at this point. Their offensive line stinks. 
Like, I know Steelers fans, and I know a few of them who keep saying, well, why don't they throw the ball down the field? It's like, have you seen your quarterback? You can't throw the ball down the field. And the Chiefs know that. I, I just think, like, normally a 13-point spread in a playoff game, which has been mentioned, is historic. I would say, look, there's no way. I I, I think this game is over by halftime. Like, I real, I think this is a game, I don't think it'll be 44-6. to 6. I think it'll be, like, 30-10. to 10. Where it's just one of these games where Kansas City gets out on the problem Pittsburgh's going to have to me, the Chiefs are going to get a lead in this game, and Roethlisberger is going to have to just start chucking it. And if that happens, this game is beyond over. Like they will just tee off on him all game long. I, if the Steelers win this game, it is one of the biggest upsets in NFL history. Like it really is. It really genuinely is. I know we're not talking about the Steelers just winning, but can they cover thirteen? Is there an outside shot of it? Sure. I think to the bench point, it would have to be Watt just wrecking the game, you know, a turnover or two, and it becomes one of these games where it's close. Um, I just I just do not see it. I see uh, our guy Jalen Butler saying um, Najee Harris is a problem. I, I don't think he is. They, they can't block. They can't block. The guy's running for less than four yards of carry. Like, I think, I think Najee Harris is really talented. I just don't think it matters. Because they can't block anybody, I, I, I think, I think Kansas City is just gonna is gonna run them over. I do. I think they win this game by twenty points, and they they go to the divisionals. Let's just all uh, all us NFL fans that have no real juice in this game and are not Chiefs and or Steelers fans. This sucks. It would be so much more fun if the Raiders were in Kansas City right now. I'd be looking forward to that game at least for thirty eight percent more. Yes, Ben. I, Raiders, both times they played Kansas City, I know. had worse losses than the Steelers. That, I, I know that would be more likely to happen than, than Pittsburgh. I, uh, I think Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh keeps it closer. I think it's less of a blowout with Pittsburgh than it is with the Raiders. Woo! Hot take, hot take. Uh, but maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I, I I personally would rather watch the Raiders play football than watch the Steel, watch the Steelers That's play fair. football and and go into a it's hard to beat a team three times in one year type of conversation. I don't know. Um, although. Uh, the Chiefs, whatever. Didn't they split with the Raiders? Am I am I am I remembering that right the now? Chiefs beat the Raiders eighty nine to oh eighty nine twenty three. We just said it seven thousand times. I just had a <laughs> had my standard karma at the end of the show brain fart. I apologize for that. Thank you very much. All right, Arizona and the Rams Monday night. First of all, do you guys have a problem with the game being played Monday night? I don't love it. I, that, I don't love it. I think that it's, is I think it's so. The team. It's so greedy. It's this is the playoffs. They should have equal rest. Come on, man. I I, I hate it. But whatever. The Rams. I, I don't even have that issue with it. My my weird issue is that NBC is going to get a second game with a broadcast crew that I don't think has done any NFL games this year. When Correct. you have when you have CBS only getting one game this week. Um, no, I'm sorry. They they get two. Fox only gets one. I mean, my guy Kevin Burkhart's just sitting there waiting for an assignment. I, I think it would be a great opportunity for him to get a playoff game when everybody else is getting two. Uh, hey, I. I like you shouting that out, Ben. Let's go. Let's get let's get a let's get a big time crew in there. But all right, who do you like here? The Rams limping into the playoffs. Matthew Stafford looking all confused. That was an ugly ending for him. But and now here comes Arizona, who's had their own share of issues at the end of the season. Four point favorite though at home. Yeah, I, I like them to bounce back. The Rams are one of those teams that I mentioned uh, last week as a team that you buy low on heading into the postseason because I, I do think they're built for postseason success. They can change the way they play on offense depending on where they go and who they play. For If they're playing in Green Bay, 
in frigid weather, they can be a dominant running team with Cam Akers now back and Sony Michelle. If you need to play indoors on a track, Stafford can chuck it downfield with Cooper Cup and Nodell Beckham. Uh, their defense had some issues against San Francisco, but uh, Kyle Shanahan has owned Sean McVay. They've, he's beaten them outright the last six times. Um, conversely, I, I think the Cardinals might actually keep this game a little bit closer than most people think. Cliff Kingsbury, for whatever reason, has been a dominant coach uh, on the road as an underdog over the last three years, despite him not being able to win games in the second half of seasons. They're limping in. I don't know the health of DeAndre Hopkins heading into this point. I, I do like the Rams, though, uh, just because I, I feel like they were built to be a very good postseason team. You're going to start to see their stars really show up. Uh, I, I think a little bit of extra rest for Stafford will do him good. Cup's been absolutely unstoppable, and I don't know on an, anybody on Arizona's side that's going to be able to shut him down. So I, I think the Rams win comfortably on Monday night, and I, I think they start to get themselves going. They're probably, if you're looking at dark horse teams in the NFC and also just in football, to make a run at the postseason. I, I really think you have to consider the Rams this year, even with their struggles in the second half of the season. So is, is it fair to say, like, you know, you mentioned the Rams going to get the star, star power going. Like, can, can the Rams just ever start to get that going like, at any point in time? Because it feels like they're 17-0 against the Niners. Like, hey, wow, here they come. Nope, blow the game and lose. Like just Stafford throws a couple of atrocious interceptions – and McVeigh, like sometimes it's Sean McVeigh, and I and I like him as a coach. There are times I look at him and I think, like, what in God's name is he doing? That game was one of them. The Niners are hitting Stafford every time he drops back, and yet there's no quick passes. It's a bunch of five and seven step drops, and he's just getting him killed on all these longer routes that they're running. And the Niners are just running the ball down their throat. There's no adjustment by by Morris in the second half of the game. I think the Cardinals are going to cover this game. Now, I don't love the Cardinals either. I think Kingsbury is a disaster in situational football. Murray has not been the same since he's come back. Defensively, they've fallen off. Seattle scored a million points. I mean, hell, if the Cardinals win that game, they win the division. And yet they don't win the division because they can't be bothered to beat Seattle at home as they're constantly giving up points. I am just taking the points in this game. I think the Rams win close. I do not love either team. The Rams do have a high ceiling, Ben. I agree with you on that. But, man, I just look at them sometimes and – for all the talent they have, like, would it shock anybody here if Stafford threw four picks and they lost this game? No. Like, he's just – it's always on the table with Stafford. You would never feel that way with Rodgers or Mahomes or Brady. And with Stafford, it's like, yeah, I could see him just throwing them right out of this game. Like, that's the thing that always worries me with him when he's involved. And that's why in a game where I think these two teams – like, I think the Rams are better – I'm taking the Cardinals because I think we're good for at least one throw in this game with Stafford. We just go, oh, my God, he threw right at him. Like, and that'll be enough to keep the game close. The, the DeAndre Hopkins part of this, he ain't playing. And if he is, it's not gonna be, he's not going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Kingsbury said that, he, that they don't know if he's going to play, which tells me he's not playing. But we shall see. You want a, you want a crazy Matthew Stafford step before I, I leave this, yes. this grandiose, wonderful Always. show? Um, Matthew Stafford in his career, our Reed Wallach uh, came up with the stat over at Betsided, 31, 50 and two against the spread against teams with winning records in his oh, career, just 26 and 57 straight up. He's just- I, I know I'm in the minority on, on hoping that the Rams can figure something out heading in just because I think the talent is there. And I like betting on talent in the postseason, or especially when, when, when all of your chips are in. But that is a fairly damning statistic for Matthew Stafford, even though 
he spent a lot of years on bad teams in Detroit. But I, I'm hopeful in this particular matchup they can figure it out because Arizona down the stretch, not good either. Great ending there, Ben. Uh, we all wait for Monday night for one of those two teams just going to walk off into the sunset in a nauseating way. I mean, the Cardinals were the darling of the NFL for the first half of the season. The Rams are still people hope they'll be the darling, I guess. But bottom line, Ben Heisler, great job as always, buddy. Pleasure to see you both. Talk to you soon. We'll, yeah, we'll, sure. see, we'll see you after the wild card round. Verderam, let's wrap it up here, buddy. Your, any, any deep thoughts on your mind as we say goodbye? I know I wrote something that I can't remember. Oh, yeah, you know what it was? So so Saturday, um, you know, normally, of course, I, I got the, my, my wife and, and my daughter at home, uh, but they are going into Chicago for a little uh, mother-daughter time. My, my wife is surprising Maisie by taking her to uh, Frozen, the musical, which uh, Maisie's head is going to explode. She's going to be so excited. So they're going to go to that, and then they're going to stay downtown for a night. They're going to enjoy the, uh, enjoy the evening in Chicago. And so that means I have I have the house all to myself on Saturday to watch football. And so I've got some buddies coming over. We're getting beer. We're getting, I don't have to work Saturday. We're getting beer. We're getting pizza. Getting chips. God knows what else. And uh, we're having a damn good time watching the AFC playoffs. And then Sunday I'll be a nervous wreck. But on Saturday it's going to be, it's going to be a great time. And as long as we don't break anything in the house, I think, uh, I think stuff will be all right with it. So this is these this is breaking news. Number one, Verderam, you apparently have friends. The uh, I, I have many friends. I, I know. I I can't believe it either. <laughs> I mean, who who knew that on a Saturday what night Verderam could get people to come over and with a with a chip and a dip and a and a beer and a and a whatever else you're going after there. You gonna smoke a couple cigars there, buddy? You know, I've got the I've got my cigar case right the where is it here? Got it right here. Got it right here. Got a little, got a little traveling humidor, so I'm good there, to go. There you go. Got that. Got my my cutter. But uh, listen, it's gonna be. You know, I think we got. It depends. Somewhere between four and six people. So we're gonna have uh, get some pizza. Gonna get some either Giordano's or Lou Mal's. We'll see. We'll see who steps up. Uh, so we're gonna sponsor <laughs> this podcast. I'll I'll do that. Um, gonna get you know a bunch of beer. And some I'm sure we'll have some liquor and uh, sit down. Watch a game, Cheeto Freaks asking cigar of choice. I am not somebody who is like a big aficionado on cigars. I'm not going to pretend that I am, but I love the Romeo and Juliet's. I, I, I do. I'm a, I'm a big fan of those. I like more of a mild cigar. I'm not somebody who likes the real heavy tobacco. I remember years ago, I had a, a thick, authentic, authentic Cuban cigar. Loved it. Almost had a heart attack smoking it. Was that um, at the Super Bowl in Miami? It was not. It was actually a buddy of mine. His father is a huge cigar guy, and he had a ton of them. And he's like, "Hey, we were actually." It was. I was probably in my early twenties, and we were sitting out by uh, my my buddy's pool. And he's like, "Hey, if you guys are going to smoke cigars, we were smoking that we got at like a gas station." He's like, "Yeah, smoke some real cigars." He gave us those things. Almost had a stroke. They were amazing. But when I went to Miami, I actually smoked so many cigars. I actually got cigar sick. I don't know if you ever had that feeling before. I thought I was going to puke. I must have smoked like five of them one night. I thought I was going to die. Well, uh, each year at uh, at the Super Bowl, they've got media night where they take care of everybody who covers the yep. league. And in Miami, they had the cigar setup. So I don't smoke cigars, but I probably had, I don't know, took three puffs to just try, try to look like I was part of the crew. Verderam, meanwhile... I, we leave. We go back to the hotel. I gotta get. I gotta get my beauty sleep. Run around. You. You ended up like staying by the cigar thing all night, and the next day you're talking about how you almost uh, 
weren't able to function because you went well, cigar nuts. Die. I, I never had that feeling before because I, you know, I've been, I shall smoke a couple cigars around the golf course. I'll smoke a couple cigars. Dude, I, I don't know how many I smoked. I mean, it was probably legitimate, like four of them. And uh, I was with uh, our good friend, Matt Lombardo, who, of course, is on the stream as well, who loves cigars. He is a cigar aficionado. And when we go to Indianapolis, we go to a cigar lounge for the combine and we, we sit down and, you know, we'll try to go down to some agents and stuff and we'll smoke cigars with them and some some coaches and smoke. And I'll tell you, I can't, I can't repeat it. Some of the funniest NFL stories you'll ever hear down that cigar lounge. Uh, but man, I love them. Uh, I do love them. Uh, but it's, there will not be any cigar smoking in the house. Cause let me tell you, who, you know, who does not love the smell of cigar smoke? My wife. So that's not going to be happening. But otherwise, if this was if this was the summer, my buddy down the street's got an outdoor TV on his patio, cigars cigars all day long. But uh, no, no, on Saturday night it's going to be beer, liquor, pizza, chips, wings, uh, whatever the hell you can find. You bring it on down. It's it's a good time. Let's go, Bills. I'll be rooting for them. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, appreciate you watching today. Hit that like. Hit that uh, Please, subscribe button. Gonzo, you're the man. Cheeto Freak, Jalen, everybody who weighed in today. Uh, it was a, always good to see Paul. Saw you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yes. And uh, George Ramirez as well. Thanks for thanks to everybody. And see, uh, uh, real quick, Gonzo asking, how long have we known each other, Colin? Well, I've worked here for seven years, so seven years. Yeah, Verderam was uh, one of the originals when I when I first walked into Fan Sided in January of 2015 to freelance right and there was matt verderam sitting at a table with uh three other lunatics and i'm like who the hell is this guy and then the next thing you know verderam was proposing in the office story for another time not, uh, not the car but yeah not not, not to, right to uh to your wife thank you very much all right hey enjoy the games check out arrowhead addict on uh sunday night for the live stream verderam will be there for pregame and halftime and postgame and we'll pop in as well of course, Patrick Allen will be there. I'm just going to be guesting on the channel, uh, so we'll we'll do the best we can to uh, do the channel its proper justice for the Chiefs and the Steelers. We got a show on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast channel today, 5 p.m. Central. It's an extra one. We normally have this, the audio version with Matt Connor selling homes. Today, myself, Patrick Allen, also joining. So awesome. be there. It'll be live uh, at five o'clock Central. And we'll see you next Tuesday, 11 o'clock Central, right here for Stacking the Box. Appreciate you.